Good evening and thank you for coming out on a uh, Tuesday night. Appreciate that and um, good to see a little drop of rain there earlier on. Um, <clears throat> Pastor said, uh, welcome to Queensland. I said, I come from Coffs Harbour. <laughs> that was due, okay? Um, that wasn't rain. But um, <clears throat> it's... Uh, <clears throat> I didn't think it was that funny, Dave. <laughs> We get some rain in cough. We've had half a metre in the last two weeks down there. I mean, I've missed it all. But um, I know it does rain up here a lot too. But um, the Lord sends the rain. And uh, thank you. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the special. Thank you for that song. Uh, the truth of that is awesome. Um, that sort of tied in with last night's song, which I've never heard before. But it was on the same, uh, the same sort of theme. So that was really good. Now, tonight is going to be a topical message most probably a little bit different to what you're normally um, <clears throat> used to. Um, <clears throat> I want to give you a short Bible college course. We're going to do the whole course tonight, okay? In the next, uh, well, you know, I'm not a long-winded preacher. That could ch- I could change. <laughs> but um, I understand it's, it's a working night. I won't keep you here not too long. But we're going to do a Bible college course tonight. And if you pass the course... You shall receive an honorary doctorate. <laughs> well, um, maybe not, but you know, if, if I was to give you a doctorate, it's as good as the ones you get from the internet anyway. But I trust you'll um, learn something tonight. Uh, <clears throat> the, the Spirit of God is the most forgotten member of the Trinity. He is so often forgotten. Um, <clears throat> We, and we have for many decades looked at the charismatic nonsense, um, <clears throat> Benny Hinn and his nonsense, and, um, and, and I, don't, I don't suggest you do this, but you, it'd be more spiritual watching Benny Hill than Benny Hinn, and I don't suggest you watch Benny Hill because he was an evil, um, worldly man, but um, there's not too much Christianity with Benny Hinn. In fact, I think there's a fair bit of occult there. But we tend to overreact, and we have, I think, for decades, when it comes to the Spirit of God. A.W. Tozer said the following, he said, the Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. Yeah. I'll say that again. The Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is a part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. And yet we rarely mention or even think of the Spirit of God, but he is God. I want to give you a message tonight on seven wonders of God's Spirit. And let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the the wonderful uh, message in the songs tonight. And we are so thankful, uh, Lord, for your grace and your mercy to us. We rejoice in that. We praise you. We worship you this evening. And, Lord, I would ask for the filling, the anointing of the Spirit of God upon us Uh, for these next few minutes. And may the word of God be real to us and we pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and you, dear Father, will be glorified. Please answer our prayer, we pray earnestly in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has personal attributes. Now, 
I'm not going to look at all these references. If you're taking notes, that is really good. I encourage you to take notes. That's why we have iPhones, to take notes. Um, but take notes. I'll just, I'll just read uh, my list here before I get to my points of the sermon. I'm going to sort of lay a foundation here for our little Bible college class. The Holy Spirit has personal attributes. He is referred to as a person. John 15 verse 26 says, He shall testify of me. John 16, 13, uh, Jesus said, How bet when he, the Spirit of truth, is come? The Holy Spirit speaks, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. The Holy Spirit loves, Romans 15, 30, and for the love of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit chooses, Acts 13, verse 2, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, teaches uh, John 14, 26, He, that's the Holy Spirit, shall teach you all things. The Holy Spirit guides, Acts 16, verse 7, but the Spirit suffered or allowed them not. Uh, the Holy Spirit can be lied to, Acts 5, Acts 5 verse 3, uh, they lied, Ananias and Sapphira fire, lied to the Holy Ghost. He can be grieved, uh, Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit has the attributes of personality. The Holy Spirit has the attributes of God. He is eternal. Hebrews 9.14, who through the eternal spirit. That means he had no beginning, no ending. He is omnipresent. Psalm 139 verse 7 says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? In other words, you can't go anywhere that the Holy Spirit isn't. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. In other words, he is all-powerful, uh, sorry, all-knowing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, the Spirit searcheth all things. Sometimes we, we, we just forget about the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God. He is not, as our Jehovah Witness friends would say, uh, God's eternal force. He is God. He's as much God as God the Father. He's as much God as God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a different member uh, of the, the Trinity. We know that. And he doesn't speak of himself. We understand that. But he is God. 100%. Seven wonders of God's spirit. Here's the first thing. He creates. He creates. Now we know that. We won't turn to Genesis 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And what did the Spirit of God do? Moved upon the face of the waters. He hovered there. We know that God, the Father, was the creator. We know that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ created all things. All things were created by him and for, thing, uh, for him. Someone says, how can God, the Father, create things and, and Jesus create things and the Holy Spirit are there? Well, it's all God. It's all God. The Holy Spirit creates. He played a special part in creation. He was there with the Father. He was there with the Son. I like to think that the Holy Spirit, um, in fact, all three members of the Godhead, when, when they created, they, they created an incredible universe. You know, you ever thought God gave us senses? You imagine if everything tasted like lettuce. <laughs> imagine if everything tasted like chocolate. That'd be pretty good maybe, but no, you'd soon get sick of it. God gave us the sense of taste. You imagine if everything was grey. Everything was grey. 
No, God gave us colours. Imagine if uh, everything was, everything we said and everything we sang was in the pitch of C, middle C. Imagine how boring and drab the world would be. God gave us senses. God, God, is, the, God is the original artist. He is. He's an artist. And God created this incredible universe. But the Holy Spirit is a creator. Um, you think of the songs that have been written down through the centuries. Now, I'm not saying Christian music is inspired. No, the Bible's inspired. But I'm dead sure that the Spirit of God aided when people wrote that music. I mean, can you listen to Handel's Messiah at Christmas time and not be stirred? If, if you're not stirred by listening to Handel's Messiah, along with the words of God, the, the, the scriptures, the, um, there's something wrong with you. Um, if, you can't, if you can't listen to some of the songs uh, that we sing, I mean, a mighty fortress is our God. Now, I'm not saying that's inspired, but I tell you what, I think the Lord aided Martin Luther when he wrote that. Um, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'm not saying that's an inspired uh, song, but I reckon God was there when uh, John Newton wrote those words down. Uh, Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a saviour. It may not be inspired, but I'll tell you what, there's some, some God-helped creativity there. Doctrinal truth and wonderful music that stirs our, our souls and stirs our spirits. And God says that's how we're supposed to minister. One way we minister to each other, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm just saying that the Spirit of God creates. And I'll tell you what, if, you, if your ministry in this church or wherever is, is that of, uh, you are one of the creative types, and we're not all the creative types. When it comes to cooking, I'm not a creative type. Toast, I'm very good at. <laughs> and uh, I can boil water with the best of them. But I'm not a creative... But some of you are the creative types. And you, need the, you need the aid of the Spirit of God on your ministry. And when you get down to serve the Lord up the back here or whoever else is doing stuff, <clears throat> you need his help. The Spirit of God is a creator. Then he, he is a convictor. He convicts. Over in John 16 and verse 8, you can turn there quickly if you're quick on the draw, John 16 verse 8. And when he, that is the comforter, is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Spirit of God convicts. You know, for someone to be saved, they need the convicting work of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God convicts people to be saved. The child of God needs the convicting work of God to be sanctified. And he does. He convicts us and convinces us of sin. That's why when, uh, when we say something and straight away we know we shouldn't have said it. Did you say something like that today? Yep. Maybe not today, but we all do it. Or you've thought something you shouldn't have thought and straight away, what does the Spirit of God do? He spiritually digs you in the ribs. says, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. That's what he does. He convicts us. And it's a wonderful thing to be convicted by God. It's not, it's not always nice. 
It can be really painful, that conviction, but it's a good thing. And we need to respond. When the Spirit of God convicts us, we need to respond. Because, you know, you can, sh- uh, you can see your conscience. You can get a very hard heart, even as a Christian. So when the Spirit of God convicts, respond with humility and, con- and confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So one of the wonders of the Spirit of God is that he convicts us. And then thirdly, he comforts us. John 15 and verse 26. This is an obvious one. John 15 verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now, I'm sure we've all been taught about the Comforter, Paracalio called, called alongside, uh, and the Spirit of God, there's one that was called alongside. But do you know what the Comforter does? He comforts. You ever thought of that? He comforts us. Because it's quite often we need comforting. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to call another comforter from the Father. Who was the original comforter? That was Jesus. But he said, I'm going back to heaven. I'm not going to be here uh, too much longer. But don't worry, I'm sending another comforter. Isn't it wonderful that the Spirit of God comforts us when we need to be comforted? I was, uh, my, my dear mother uh, has uh, been writing her life story down. And um, I... Uh, I've read the part about when my father died. I was only three and uh, my father died at the age of 38. Uh, And then uh, after some years, God provided me with a a, a stepdad, a wonderful Christian man whom I I love dearly. But I've read mum's account of, of that time, which was 1965. It was almost 56 years ago now that my... My father, Harry Young, passed away, had a heart attack and, and died. My mum was 24 years old at the time. Had a th- I was, had just turned three and my younger brother, Lyndon, had just turned one. And our dad died. And um, I, I cannot imagine um, what mum was going through, but obviously she was going through tough times. But my rum, mum wrote down in her little memoirs that uh, I was a three-year-old lad and I came up beside her one, uh, just, just maybe a day or two after um, my dad had died. And this is what I said as a three-year-old. I wrote it down. I said, don't cry, mummy. I will look after you. <laughs> that was a three-year-old. Three-year-olds aren't supposed to say that. But I did. And my mum remembers that I was a comfort to her at that time. It was just a little three-year-old whippersnapper. Isn't it wonderful that we're, when we're in need, the Holy Spirit comes alongside. He encourages us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. He says, fear not. He says, you're going you're to get through this. You'll get through it because I'm with you. He's a comforter. Then the Spirit of God converts. He converts sinners. He converts sinners, John chapter 14 and verse number 17. Even the spirit of truth, or verse 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. 
And they're over to Romans 8 verse 9. And uh, where'd it go to? Romans 8 verse 9. Every Christian should know these truths very well. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Look at verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. There's a whole Bible college course just in, in that chapter, just in those verses. But it's the Spirit of God that converts us and makes us alive in Christ. And just think of that. The Spirit of God comes to live in me at the point of salvation. Jesus said to the disciples, he's with you, but he's going to be in you. And then the apostle said, know you not that your body, this thing, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's where God lives. The Spirit of God lives in this temple. Um, I understand you know all that. But just think about it for a minute. He doesn't leave us. So that if we uh, decide to go off and do our own thing, the Holy Spirit doesn't, he, he can't jump out of us and say, all right, I'll let him go for a while. No, no, he has, he's got to sit through all that's, that's That's why we can grieve him. We can grieve the Spirit of God. We can quench the Spirit of God. Imagine that. Imagine Christians living in sin, going after the, the fleshly things of the world. The Spirit of God doesn't say, well, I'll just let him go, then I'll go back in. No, no, he, he's, he's resident in us. So we drag, in some sense, we drag the Spirit of God through our sin. That's a really sobering thing to think about. This body, this thing here, may not be much to look at, but it's where God lives in this church age. He lives in here. That's why the Bible says you've got to glorify God in your body because you're bought with a price and in actual fact we don't belong to us anymore. We belong to God. We've been bought. God lives within us. So next time you're tempted to backslide, we all get tempted to backslide at times, just remember we're dragging the Spirit of God in some way through that. He converts us and he indwells us. Then fifthly, he controls us, or he should control us. Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3. As Brother Fisher would say, are you doing all right tonight? Are you, are you awake through our little college class? <laughs> I hope the storm hasn't made you too tired. Galatians 3. And verse 2, this only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? If we let him, he controls us. Um, over to Galatians 5, verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Down to verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. See, the church in Galatia, this was the problem there. They were made alive by the Spirit of God, but then some of them said, well, what we've got to do now, we've got to go back to our the ways of Judaism. And Paul said, that's crazy. You've started in the flesh, uh, you've, started, you've started in the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, with the Spirit of God. What are you going back to those old ways for? That doesn't make sense. 
If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. If He's saved you, if He's converted you, let Him control your life. If we don't walk after the Spirit, if we, we, speaking to Christians here, if we don't walk after the Spirit, life gets really difficult. You ever figured that out? Life gets really difficult. I often use the illustration of starting a, <clears throat> you've most probably heard it before, but you start a, you go on vacation somewhere and you pack the family in the car and, and um, <clears throat> Dave uh, gets his four boys in the car and, oh, Glenda too, you better take Glenda, and, uh, and fills up his, uh, his Ford Ranger and uh, he's going to, um, he's going to New South Wales most probably for a good holiday and uh, he starts down the road and, uh, and he gets, um, how far would you get in the Ranger with all your boys? Like that's about, that's about a tonne and a half, you know, putting four boys in there. <laughs> I mean, you get down to, you may, maybe you get down to, you might get to uh, Armidale maybe. And then, uh, you know, you started, you had a full tank. Um, and you get down to Armidale and you, you run out of fuel. Well, you've got four boys, they can push you, okay? <laughs> Come on, fellas, out you go, push. Glenda, get out and push. <laughs> and Dave will just do the steering, you know, the controlling. You know, it becomes really difficult becomes really difficult when we, we start one way, but we end up another way. And Paul said to the church at Galatia, he said, listen, you've started in the spirit. That's how you're saved. That's how you're converted. That's how you're spiritually made alive. But you're supposed to walk after the spirit as well. Because if you walk after the flesh, you go back to the ways you were, it makes it almost impossible to live. And if a Christian is not walking after the spirit, the Christian life is really hard. You ever figure that out? It is really hard. The Spirit of God controls us if we let him. And then the Spirit of God colours. He colours over in Galatians chapter 5. I couldn't think of another word there, but I use the word colours. Or he, we, he sweetens life. Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. What are the fruit of the Spirit, it's all those really good things. They're the attributes, some of the attributes of the Spirit of God. He is God. He is love. He is joy. He is peace. He's long-suffering. He's all those things, and those things are all natural to Him because He's God. You know what's natural to us, to, our, to, to my flesh and your flesh? I'll tell you what's natural. This is, this is what really, is really easy to do. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. Envyings, all that stuff, the works of the flesh, that stuff comes natural to us. That stuff comes natural. And so, the Spirit of God colours or sweetens the life of the Christian. You know how Christians, you know what our testimony should be? We should be loving, joyful, we should be <clears throat> peaceful. We should be long-suffering, we should be gentle, we should be good, we should be full of faith, we should be meek, and we should be temperate. That's what we should be. That's what we should be. That's what the Spirit of God does. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the things that are, they're not natural to us, but when we walk after the Spirit, those things can be worked out through our lives. See, I'm getting through my outline really quickly tonight. <clears throat> 
But I'll spend a little bit more time on the last point. Not only does he comfort and convert and control and colour and convict us, but he capacitates us. That's a pretty good word, eh? He capacitates us. Well, I needed a corny word that started with C, but what it means is to make capable or to enable. To enable. You say, what do you mean by that, brother? All right, Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Let's look it up. Romans 8 and verse 26. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He enables us to pray. Sometimes we don't know how to pray or what to pray for. You ever been there? Lord, I don't know what to pray for for this person. I'm just not sure. I know I should pray. The Spirit of God says, that's fine. I know your heart and I'll intercede for you. I will help you along. He's our prayer partner. Come over to uh, Acts 28 and verse 25. Acts 28 and verse 25. When we come to study the Bible, do you ever come across stuff you can't understand? Yep, for sure, because if we understood all the Bible, it wouldn't be the Bible. Acts 28 verse 25. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet, unto our fathers, saying. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet. You know who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit. Holy men of God wrote or spoke as they were moved by the Spirit of God. Born along by the Spirit of God. He's the author. He's the author. So if you want to understand the Bible, it's a good thing to ask the author for help. Enlist the help of the author. He helps us pray. He helps us study. And then he empowers us. Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. And go to Jerusalem and all this. That's how you witness. You witness with Holy Spirit power. You know, witnessing is actually not that hard. When God gets involved, it's not that hard. It's actually not that hard. It can be hard. But I think I was speaking to Brother Alex here the other day. Um, I think he was saying this, but I agreed. Whoever, Whoever it was, I was speaking to someone. But God brings people across your path. When the Holy Spirit gets involved, he brings people across your path. And it's as though he says, that's the one, witness to him. I was at the caravan park yesterday at uh, uh, Caloundra there and I was just packing up the van and sweating away and this lady comes up, older lady, starts talking to me, just telling me her life story. She'd, um, her first two husbands died. Her third husband um, ran off with his secretary at one stage, she had seven teenagers. She had like a Brady Bunch family uh, with all these husbands she'd had. She was left with seven teenagers to raise. And then she spent six months homeless somewhere in Queensland. And she said, my life is really hard. I said to her, I listened to her for about, she talked for about 15 minutes straight. <laughs> I said, I've got some good news for you. Yeah, I said, yeah, it's called the gospel. You know, the gospel actually means good news. 
that Jesus died for sinners. And that's where you come into it and where I come into it. I was able to share the gospel clearly with this lady. And I would not have most probably done that because I was busy trying to get out of the caravan park. God actually brought her across my path. That's when witnessing becomes fun or becomes easier. Um, He enables us. You know we need the Spirit of God when we preach. We need the Spirit of God when we teach. We need the Spirit of God's enabling when we labour in the Lord's work, uh, when we witness. You know we need, we just, what I want to say this evening, you've all passed the, you've all passed the course by the way. You know what I want to say this evening? We, we need God to show up. We need God to show up. And I say this to my shame, the amount of times over the years that I've got up to preach a sermon or teach a class or do a kids club or whatever, a camp. And I know the power of the Spirit of God wasn't on the message. I'll admit that. You've been there? I'm not just talking to us preachers, I'm talking to Sunday school teachers youth leaders, bus drivers, whatever you're doing. We need God to show up. We need God to show up. Now I know some preach Christ of contention and that's good. Praise the Lord, Christ has preached. And I know the word of God will not return void. I understand that. And I know God can use a donkey to get the word, you know, what he wants said, said. But we need the Spirit of God. We need his enabling. We need his empowering. We need his anointing for whatever we do. Not just for preaching, not just for teaching, but especially for those things. Why do we, why do we just go on and we, we become professional in the Christian life? We just go through the motions and we get good at what we do. We, we play instruments and we, we lead the singing and we get up and we preach and we, we know how to do it all. Okay, we've been doing it a long time. We know how to do all that stuff. But we need the Spirit of God. We need His empowering. If He doesn't convict sinners, they're not going to get saved. If He doesn't do the work, it's not going to come to much. The Bible says, you shall receive power. The Spirit of God's coming upon you and you're going to be witnesses. You being witnesses is not the thing. It's the Spirit of God coming on you. You're this dumb fisherman. You're a dumb fisherman. You don't know what you're doing. But don't, don't worry. The Spirit of God's going to come upon you. He's going to empower you. He's going to give you this incredible, this incredible thing's going to happen. And it did not long afterwards. And, the, and a few chapters down in the book of Acts, what did it say? They turned the world upside down. We just need to go back to having God show up. That's what I want. I'm sick of being in church meetings where nothing happens. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to jump up and say hallelujah. You know, if, if, if the church is silent and God's working, that's great. I, I don't know. I'm not going on the outward sign of things, but I, we need God to show up. How? And by the, t- by the way, isn't it wonderful when God shows up? Now I know God's everywhere. God is omnipresent. But I think you understand what I'm, what I'm saying. When the Spirit of God gets hold of people, 
We can be so content just to rest in mediocrity and professionalism and doing what we do. I like it sometimes when God upsets things. That is really wonderful to see God work. Sometimes he just upsets the apple cart and... And that's most probably a good thing. How do we enlist this capacitating or this enabling of the Spirit of God? Well, the Bible teaches us here in Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18, you all know the verse, most probably off by heart. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess... But be filled with the Spirit. Um, be filled there means to be filled and keep on being filled. Keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. It's not just a one-time thing. The indwelling of the Spirit of God, yes, that's a one-time thing. That happens at salvation. Romans told us, that verse told us that when the Spirit of God comes to live in, we can then cry, we have the Spirit of adoption, and we can then cry, Abba, Father. We are adopted into the family of God. The Spirit of God takes residence in this body. But we need to be filled by the Spirit of God. We need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. And it's a continual thing. Now notice the contrast here. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. What happens when someone is drunk? What happens when someone is drunk? Someone is drunk, they get controlled by the alcohol. That's obvious. Australia is a nation of drunkards. Respectable drunkards, non-respectable drunkards, it doesn't matter, we're a nation of drunkards. Most nations are full of drunkards. But when people get drunk, what happens? That alcohol controls them, so they do things that they wouldn't normally do. They say things they wouldn't normally say. They go to places they wouldn't normally go to. They think things they wouldn't normally think. Why? Because they're they're taken over by the power of the alcohol. Well, the writer here is saying, listen, just like that's what alcohol does to you, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, we'll then say things that we wouldn't normally say. But they're good things. We'll do things that we wouldn't normally do. But it's good things. It's love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, temperance, faith, and all those fruit of the Spirit. We just need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Now, the question is, how? You ever ask that? How? How are we filled by the Spirit of God? And it's a command. Be filled with the Spirit and keep on being filled with the Spirit. Confess your sin. Empty yourself and ask in faith. It's faith. Say, dear Lord, I confess my sins and you might have to wait before God for a little bit. Say, Lord, search my heart because I need to be empty. And then, Lord, I ask this day for the filling of the Spirit of God by faith. The lights may not go on, you know, the, you, may not have, you may not see stars. and It's faith. It's faith. Every day we should say, Lord, please, I need the filling of the Spirit of God today by faith. Please control me. Control me. Control my mind. Control my lips. Control my thoughts. Control every part of my life through the Spirit of God. 
Yet the truth is that most Christians go through life and never give it a second thought. The truth is that so many preachers get up or teachers get up and we've got the nice outline and all the rest of it. We never give the Spirit of God a second thought. I can get this. I can get through this. Done it before. I've taught a Sunday school lesson before. I'm pretty good at it. Know what I'm doing. I know my stuff. The Holy Spirit, he's just not going to come crashing in and say, let me take over here. He doesn't do it that way. That's not him. You see, he's love, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness. That's him. That's the Spirit of God. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he's like. He just says, step aside and let me fill you. Let me fill you. Now, I understand Sometimes, yeah, the disciples went to Jesus and said, how, how, do we, how do we cast out that demon? Jesus said, this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. And what does the prayer and fasting normally do? It's part of the emptying of yourself process. But that's another subject. What's the application this morning? I'm finished. Have you forgotten the Spirit of God? Have you forgotten that He exists? Have you forgotten that he wants to control your life? Have you forgotten that he wants to empower your life for service and for prayer and for study and for all those things? He is the empowerer. He is our prayer partner. He is the author of the Bible. It's amazing how many times I will get down to read my Bible and I haven't asked the Lord for the help of the author. No wonder I didn't get anything out of the Bible that morning. Maybe what I'm asking you is this. Why not acknowledge the Spirit of God in your life? Acknowledge Him. He is God. He is God. I know all glory goes to the Father and all praise goes to the Son. And I know the Spirit of God doesn't speak of Himself because that's His attributes. But He is God. He wants to empower us. He wants to fill us. We've started life in or by the Spirit. If you're a Christian, now if you're not a Christian tonight, no, the Spirit of God doesn't live in your life. You are dead in your trespasses and sins, but you can be made alive tonight if you come as a sinner to Jesus and accept Christ as your Saviour. The Spirit of God will come into your life, make you into a new person. But if you're a Christian, you say, never give the Spirit a second thought. Never Never give Him a thought. Why not change tonight? Why not change tonight and say, yes, I'm going to acknowledge him as God and I'm going to obey the command of the Bible to each day be filled with the Spirit of God. It's so easy to go through life, be a professional Christian and then wonder why life doesn't mean that much. I love it when God turns up. I love it when the Spirit of God does his work. It's not always spectacular. Sometimes it's spectacular. Sometimes it's just really quiet. Folks, we need him in our country right now. We really do. We need him more than ever. We need him as we pray, as we study, as we preach, as we teach, as we labour. Parents, you need the filling of the Spirit of God to raise your kids. You can't raise, raise your kids right without him. Husbands, you you need to be filled with the Spirit of God to be a good husband. 
Ladies, wives, you need, you need the Spirit of God's filling to be a good wife. Kids, young people, if you're a Christian, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God to be an obedient child. If you've forgotten him tonight, I'm just saying, just acknowledge him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how we love you, Father, and how many times, Lord, we failed you by not being filled with the Spirit of God. And dear Lord, I put my hand up first this evening. But I pray, Lord, if there's someone here, Lord, and they're living that fleshly life, they're following the flesh and not the Spirit, or they're living, Lord, that life of professionalism, and they never give the Spirit of God a, a thought, may they change this night. Work amongst us, we pray, dear Lord. The altar's open if God's spoken to your heart. Just come and make use of the altar.